welcome back to the What The Folk Sunderland preview show. Uh, Sunderland began their season with a positive opening day draw against Coventry City at the Stadium of Light, but will travel to Bristol City this week hoping that they can go one better and get our first three championship points of the season. It's been approximately five years since the famous Bristol game at Ashton Gate, and Sunderland, and myself if I'm honest with you, will hope that this Saturday is something a little less dramatic and a bit more straightforward and a win. And to help me preview the visit of Bristol City is actually a returning guest previously on the show to give us the lowdown on Lee Johnson a couple of years ago. It's a man who's covered Bristol City for a number of publications over the years. Welcome back to the show, Gregor McGregor. How are you doing? Are you all? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I was having a nice listen back to the previous podcast we've done. We will come on to it, but things have changed. Um, I think we'll start from the top. We drew 1-1, feeling quite positive on opening day. Bristol City felt uh, two late goals, one particularly late goal and a 2-1 defeat at home. How was the performance? It was like we'd never been away, to be honest. It was, um, in some respects, carrying straight on from last season. And and a few of the problems uh, that we saw from a Bristol City perspective. Uh, so it wasn't, in, in in some respects, too much of a surprise what happened on Saturday. But at the same time, it, it was... One, a heartbreaking loss, because I think it was possibly the latest goal in the Championship of the weekend, 93rd, 94th minute winner for Hull. Um, and Bristol City were winning in that game as well. They won their luck. And uh, like any fan, naturally, when you go one nil up, I think most of the time you, you think, right, we, we should see this out. Or we should at least get something. Although over the last sort of 18 months, as a Bristol City fan, you, you kind of have um, realised not to get your hopes too high on that. And um, yeah, Julie, they, the, the team um, let the lead slip. Although probably the big talking point from the game is that really the the major um, incident on the day was a, a really disgraceful penalty given. Um, it, I don't know if you've seen it, um, but it, it was a, a, a proper shocker. Uh, I think Dean Whitestone was the referee and um, there was a foul. Uh, have you seen the penalty incident? No, I haven't. I actually haven't, to be honest with you. Uh, well, basically, there's a foul on the edge of the box. Cal Naismith just sort of stretches out and he just catches Benjamin Tete substitute. Um, a really, really minimal contact. But the point is that the, the striker, the whole city striker, he then takes like a step or two before going down. If if you uh, uh, honestly, if you get a chance to see it, it's, it's you you'll not disagree. I promise you, because it's one of those decisions where you see it, you just think, how has the referee given that? It, 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 there was the most minimal contact. He he takes a couple of steps, then goes down. It's like the sniper from the stands goes down in in instalments, as they say, as the cliche goes. Um, and even then, when he goes down, he goes down so slowly, and you, you can tell that the players are, are apoplectic off the on on the pitch. And after the game, uh, Nigel Pearson was was pretty angry about it. And uh, unfortunately, you get those decisions in the EFL, don't you? you they, they come around um, every every so often, and uh, Bristol City were unfortunate to to get a shocker on the weekend, and it and it. And it did bring Hull back into it. And otherwise, that game looked like, well, basically had a 1-1 draw written all over it. Both sides had pretty equal chances and um, pretty equal shots. Hull had a bit more possession, a couple of shots, extra shots blocked. But in terms of big chances, they only had one extra big chance. And that was the penalty, as discussed, 
so really a one-one draw would have been fair, but um, unfortunately for Bristol City fans, it was a opening day defeat. We were really hopeful that the referees were going to be far better than League One and then we got one game in and I think whilst it didn't sound that our referee was that bad, he wasn't necessarily that great on Saturday. So I think I think the EFL has a problem through all of the tiers. Um, I think, you know, like I said, I was listening to the show we did last time, which was vastly different. It was during COVID. It was something that just appointed Lee Johnson. But I was thinking from a Bristol City perspective, you know, for quite a while, Bristol City were aside, especially when Lee Johnson was there that wanted to push in and around the playoff places and unfortunately didn't happen, but they were definitely top half. Now, looking at since we did speak, obviously, I think you finished 17th last season. Not great from where you were at, which wasn't that long ago. Um, has things changed? Has expectations changed? Why has Bristol City fell sort of out of that potential playoff push or those sort of teams? It's It's kind of been basically, it really hasn't ignited since Nigel Pearson has taken over. And He's been very clear that he wants his own men in the club. And it's a classic case of regime change going on at the moment. We've had, um, obviously, the Lee Johnson era. And um, there was a CEO, uh, Mark Ashton, who worked above him. And then Dean Holden took over. But Dean didn't really change too much. And he was obviously uh, Lee Johnson's right-hand man. So all of that and and the, the squad that they built, Um, has been sort of slowly replaced by Nigel Pearson's vision and bringing in the the side that he wants. He's been very open about saying that that a lot of the players here can go um, and they've managed to get rid of some, but not not all of them. He wants to bring in new new signings. He's done that slowly. Um, But at the same time, yeah, he hasn't achieved the results. There's been very little consistency. It took... It took until about October, November time last season for our first home win. Um, And that was coming off the back of some horrible form the season before when really Bristol City only just um, avoided relegation. Um, And then, yeah, last season, as you say, they finished 17th. And it's kind of weird how it panned out the season that they never really got involved in the relegation dogfight. They always seem, and this is a credit to Nigel Pearson, they always seem to get a result when they needed one just to keep their, themselves out of that. And they picked up a little bit of form towards the end of the season where they they finally achieved uh, back-to-back wins only for the first time with about a game or two to go. And um, they finished 17th when really 18th or 19th looked, looked on the cards. And they, they, their problems... Uh, are well documented. They score. They can score goals. They've got a very good attack. Only six teams uh, scored more goals than them last season, and three of those were promoted. So goal scoring has not been a problem. It's completely the other end of the pitch. They had, I think, only two or three teams conceded more goals last season. And uh, yeah, our big hope is this way that they've brought in. Uh, Cal Naismith, who looks on paper to be a very smart signing from Luton, and he did play very well last weekend. Uh, and he's looked good in pre-season as well. Uh, but he, he um, gave the penalty away last weekend. And uh, we're hoping that that's just a, a freak uh, ad, um, a freak incident. And uh, he, he's going to help them to sew things up at the back. Because, yeah, they, they conceded, I think, 77 goals last season. And if they do that again, they, they'll they'll basically be, be threatened by relegation. 
You touched on Carl Naismith there, someone who we sort of knew know from his time at Wigan. I obviously know from his time that he's had up in, in Scotland at various clubs. I think he came through from, from Rangers originally. But I think, and I don't know if this because we've been in League One for that long and pretty much every team has like an annual turnover of an entire team. And maybe it's less so in the championship. But it seems like a fairly quiet window by, by Bristol City standard. Four or five players came in, all of them free transfers all of them loans, and um, one of them you touched on there as well. Are we expecting more players to come in on, and does more need to be done based on the cup first uh, the first game? Sorry, I, I yeah, you're right. It's been a pretty low key summer transfer window, but I think in the fullness of time, I'm hopeful that actually some of the business they've done this this summer they will actually prove to be the makings of the next team that maybe can get back into mid-table at the least or, or challenge in the top half. And yeah, Naismith, I mean, I think he was player's player of the season at Luton and he's he's arrived on a free transfer. Uh, Kane Wilson's a pretty smart pickup, League Two player of the year, but and they've basically got him on a free, but had to pay compensation to, trading compensation to Forest Green Rovers. Um, they've got a, a France under-21s goalkeeper, although he's arrived with a broken hand and is yet to play. Um, and Mark Sykes, who, who actually played very, very well. He's possibly um, their man of the match, actually, last weekend against Hull. Uh, and he, he's arrived again on a free transfer from, from League One. A few question marks over whether these guys can do it in the Championship, apart from, from apart from Naismith, obviously, who's got good experience at this level. Um, but it's maybe more that they've actually decided on a tactical system that they're going to use. And, th- and this is how they'll set up for the Sunderland game. They basically are now wedded to a 3-4-1-2 system. And we saw that switch take place last season. And uh, again, this is maybe part of the reason why P- Nigel Pearson wasn't able to get consistency. He didn't know what his best side was. He didn't know what his best tactical system was. Now he does. He's got, um, there's certainly sort of five, six, seven names who, who are definitely going to play week to week. And, and he's got this, as I say, three, four, one, two system that, he, that he's now going to be using every week. And they've recruited specifically for that model. Um, you've got Kane Wilson, who's come who's come in. He's a, a specialist right wing back, really. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how how he does. And and, and, and yeah, we, we're we hopeful that, that basically the... That what they've done so far this summer will will actually turn out to be big um, good business in the longer run. In terms of further incomings, I think and, and basically Nigel Pearson has kind of hinted this himself that they're not well. They haven't got much money to spend this way for a start, and they've been trying to lower the wage bill for certainly this and last season, which is why in part we've seen results go go south as well because they've lost some. Good players. They've been very unfortunate actually to lose um, Nathan Baker, to who picked up two concussion injuries in the sh- in a short space of time, and he's basically been ruled out already for this entire season because of because of that. And um, they're carefully assessing him. It's not too. It, it, there's there's some doubt as to whether he'll actually even come back and play again. Um, and yeah, off the back of losing some senior players and reducing the wage bill, it, 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 yeah, it's it's part of the reason why. Things have gone a bit backwards here. But yes, um, they're looking at loan players. Um, I did a, a story on this yesterday, actually, myself, that um, and Nigel Pearson sort of spoke in depth on, on it um, to BBC Radio Bristol recently, that he's he's inquired about several loan players. I'm sure that one of those will be a central midfielder and they're hopeful of bringing in one or maybe two before the end of the window. 
one of those players I saw linked because I actually read that article to be completely honest with you. Um, Elliot Anderson, who obviously had a good season last season um, at Bristol Rovers, got them promoted. Chance that he could come in, play championship football. He's obviously coming in from Newcastle, but it looks like if it is players that are coming in, it's going to be loans and it's going to be Premier League loans. Are we expecting any of those potentially to come in before the weekend? No, no, I, well, not that I know of or we've heard of this way. It, it sounds like if anything's going to happen, it's going to be towards the end of the window. And Nigel Pearson's comments on the subject were that basically he'd made inquiries on several players and that they were still being assessed um, by their Premier League clubs. I think one would be a, a central midfielder. It's funny you should mention Elliot Anderson. He has been linked with Bristol City and... And I, 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 that one, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if there was something in that. I, I don't know if there is myself, but um, I did watch Elliot Anderson. I had to report on Bristol Rovers a couple of times last season myself. So I've seen a bit of him and I, I was actually at their game against Scunthorpe when they won 7-0 on the last day of the season. And he was absolutely outstanding for, for Rovers. Um, Nigel Pearson has got some good links with, with Newcastle United, having been assistant manager at that way. And yeah, I, I wonder if there is something in that one. He, he could add something in the final third. And I believe he enjoyed his time in Bristol. Somebody had said to me that, he, that he'd uh, had a good time in Bristol and he wouldn't be um, against returning this way. So yeah, maybe one to keep an eye on there. But yeah, not expecting anything to happen before this coming weekend. And if anything does, it might be not until like the final week. Um, when when basically managers in the Premier League decide on their final squads and, and let certain young players out to get more first-team chances. You touched on a couple of uh, sort of sentences ago about the, the home form. And it's funny, it's like I haven't, I'll be openly honest, I haven't watched the Championship for years. And the reason for that is we've been in League One for far too long. And before that, we were in the, the Premier League for a decade and we just parachuted through it. Um, one of my abiding memories of the Championship is Bristol Ball. Apart from that, I don't know a great deal. But one thing that did I did notice when I was watching just the highlights on, as it was Quest last year, was Bristol City's home form. And I remember, I want to say it was Norwich or someone at home that you played, and I think you won the luck with like 10 seconds to go. They <laughs> equalised, and they went, oh, that's now been eight, nine months or whatever it was without a home win. My facts and my figures might not be correct. But can I assume that home form has now been fixed a little bit? It's, it's on... It's it's getting better. It's a positive trend. Yeah, absolutely. They we had to wait this way for two, um, well, for a home win until like October, November time. You're right. That that what you say there could well be. The problem is that could be one of six or seven games because we had so many like that. Certainly, the the um, the very opening game of last season was Blackpool at home. And uh, yeah, there was a really late equaliser. The biggest kick in the teeth was probably Nottingham Forest at home. They were winning 1-0. I think going into the very last minutes, they somehow the contrived to lose that 2-1 at, at home. And yeah, it, <laughs> there was a, a lot of boos from the, from, the, from the stands after that one. And yeah, it's been a problem of Bristol City's that they've conceded far too many late goals. And what, that, we saw that again last weekend against Hull with... Um, Jean Michael Serry's 93rd minute deflected goal. Okay, bit of bad luck because it was a deflection and went in. But um, unfortunately, it's a it's a, a bad habit that this Bristol City side has got. I know Nigel Pearson. Well, he's obviously 
uh, very angry about them conceding so many late goals and he's desperate to try and rid that from the team and he, he hasn't managed to do it so far and uh, yeah it's something they're working on in terms of you mentioning Chris Bull there <laughs> the uh, um, the game and uh, yeah it, that game sticks out in my mind I was there for that match and I actually wouldn't rule out something similar happening again because this City team can score goals they've got uh, Andy Vyman, I think only two players were involved in more goals than him last season. Dominic Solanke and Alexander Mitrovic. Uh, Chris Martin, we all know he's one of the championship's greatest goal scorers over the years. He's got that pedigree. And um, they've got Narky Wells, who can't even get in the team. Got a couple of young players who, who, who are threatening to do something. Um, I was going to mention about Antoine Semenyo, who you guys will know, obviously. Unfortunately, he's injured at the moment, and I don't think he'll be involved this coming weekend. But we've got high hopes in this this way because he, he really took off last season and, and, he, and he's starting to really fulfil his potential. And uh, yeah, there could be a few goals, but unfortunately for Bristol City, they could well concede a few too. Funny you mentioned Semenyo there. I was kind of racking my brain last night when I was sort of setting up the questions to ask. I'm thinking, oh, ex-former Sunderland and Bristol City players. And I got as far as Martin Scott and you've just completely blown me out the water with Semenyo, which maybe shows how forgettable his loan move was to Sunderland. But to be fair to him, there was a pandemic, so I'll let him off. Um, talking of connections, we we can't go past as We've mentioned his name already. Um, Lee Johnson had just been appointed last time we spoke. He was obviously replaced by Dean Holden. Um it feels like forever ago that that was the case. But before we go to sort of Lee Johnson, which I think we need to do, Dean Holden didn't last long and then he was replaced by Nigel Pearson. Now, Pearson is often, oft, was often sorry linked to, to Sunderland at one point with Kevin Phillips as assistant manager, was really strongly muted. And I think a lot of people kind of wanted that because of his reputation as a bit of a stickler. And we thought, you know, maybe that would help us get out of the division. As it was, Alex Neal was always the man that was going to do that. Um but you touched on it before, he hasn't really took off at Bristol City. How were the fans finding life under Nigel Pearson? They've definitely been divided. If you go if you go to matches this way, then last season there was a, there were a lot of boos after games, and chiefly because of the results, the fans would say the performances. But yeah, without um, a home win for a long time. And his record when he first came in was something like two wins in the first 13 games. Um, then we went into his first full season last year. And yeah, as I say, long time before we got the home win, we didn't see back-to-back wins until right at the end of the season. It's been, it's been forward. Um, it's been, the club's moving in a forward direction under Pearson, but very, very slowly, almost glacial kind of pace. And that pace is... It's difficult to to swallow because at the same time you see people like Steve Cooper come in and bang he's got Forest from what second first um, bottom of the league second bottom of the league to promoted we've seen Huddersfield go from sort of fighting in relegation to at the top six so it's difficult to take this way um, but the only thing in for for Pearson is that he is getting the club moving in the in the right direction albeit slowly the other thing is. And, and I can see this from talking to him doing press conferences this way is you're right. He is a stickler and he's got um, these principles that he's going to abide by. Um, and it's very you, what he's doing is he, you can tell he's build, putting in the foundations for something. Um, it's just whether he's going to get that time to see it all through. 
Um, and by way of example of that is when he came in, he brought in sort of two, three, four players, people involved from his time at Leicester City. Now, these are guys he obviously knows very well, he trusts. And it, that's a big thing with him. It's got to be people that he trusts. But it's been evident that these guys really haven't been good enough to propel Bristol City further than sort of um, bottom half of the championship. Danny Simpson was uh, uh, pretty disastrous. He's come in. It was um, it's it's been proven since that he wasn't good enough to, unfortunately, to play at this level any longer. And so he went in the middle of last season, mysteriously, sort of uh, basically left his contract. We've had Andy King join him this way. He didn't do very well last season. He's He's been retained this summer, maybe surprisingly, but he's he's doing a bit of coaching as well. Um, there's been some backroom staff who, who have joined uh, Nigel Pearson from Leicester as well. And he obviously wants to get these people in that he knows, first of all, um, but, it, but it doesn't always work out. And, and, and at the same time, he has put in some good recruitment, but it's just too slow going. And uh, yeah, if he, if he did go to a Sunderland endeavour, then I would expect him to do things in the same way. And you've got to give him time and investment. And these days with supporters wanting instant success and, and unfortunately, that uh, you can get that with the right managers, right head coaches coming in. It's um, it's, it's difficult to, to sort to sort of balance up. We touched on Lee Johnson there, and I said we were going to come on to it. I suppose in a sense he's going to have no impact on the game, but it seems like a wasted opportunity not to do so. I think um, for people unaware, obviously he did quite a long feature interview with him sort of during the summer. I think before he went to Hibs or around the time that he went. Obviously, that's something I watched and we've discussed off air, but you chatted quite extensively his time at Bristol City, obviously, and also extensively his time at, at Sunderland. And I said before, it's quite funny listening back to our podcast that we did because almost everything you said about him came true, which is maybe where my frustration came in with Lee Johnson, that I felt he'd never learned from the mistakes he, he had made at Sunderland, let alone at Bristol City. But when you spoke to him, obviously, I've listened to this, but but what did you make of his time from at Wearside from afar? And when he did speak to him in the summer, how did he reflect on his time here? Yeah, I, as you say, I spoke to him in the summer. He got, um, I'd sort of retained a few links with him from his from his time down this way. He's, he's he lives in Bristol still, and the I, I know he's around the city. He gets spotted a lot by football fans this way. And yeah, I did that interview, and yeah, we did speak about his time at Sunderland, and he, I got the impression from him that he was actually quite proud of some of the work he, he did there, and obviously he's got the, the the cup win with you guys, and um, he didn't have anything well. He didn't have any silverware on his CV before Sunderland. Obviously, he got Barnsley, I think, to the final of the, the JPT, but he left to Bristol City before the, the final, I think, if that's right. Um, and, yeah, he obviously managed to win that trophy with you guys. Um, and I think he feels that, a bit like, a, a, almost like I was saying with Nigel Pearson there, that he, he feels like he maybe put the foundations in, um, and, and got built a large part of that squad, really, that, that got you guys promoted. And and I feel like, and I, and I do, from his point of view, get get that as well. I think he probably does deserve a bit of credit um, for the promotion season, just a little bit, because um, I, I, you'll you'll correct me if I'm wrong here, but wasn't Ross Stewart his signing in the, in the summer, um, and some of the other guys he's brought in, obviously. Can't mention, um, can't go without mentioning Bailey Wright, who was um, a bit of a fan favourite this way. He, he didn't always perform the best for Bristol City, but he was a very dependable defender. Um, might have mentioned this on the last podcast, even that 
he, he basically missed out on one of the former World Cups because of injury. And, and that was because he played through injury um, to help Bristol City at the time. And uh, yeah, going back to Lee Johnson, and I, I think he's hurt um, that he was that he left the club when he did. You might have seen in the in that interview, he, he hinted that there was something amiss there. I think um, saying that, that that maybe it wasn't always results and performances related, and um, and yeah, I, I briefly spoke to um, Jamie McAllister one time as well, and I know he was angry at. Um, basically when the, the timing of them leaving Sunderland and they felt that they, they could have got the club promoted last season, whether that, you, you'll know better than me, whether whether they actually did have a real chance or, or not. And uh, yeah, it, it, he's obviously moved on and uh, will no doubt retain a lot of affection for the area. Yeah, and, and I think you, you touched on the players he brought in there, Ross Stewart indeed was his signing, as was Alex Pritchard, two players who arguably were our, our best last season, if I'm completely honest. Just, I was just going to mention on Pritchard. Yeah, I know that's a funny one because I know Lee was a big fan of his and I know that they, I think they were, well, I spoke to a couple of people. I know that they had a, a move lined up for Pritchard to come to Bristol City before Lee Johnson left here. So yeah, he's a guy that he was um, intent on working with for quite a while and they'd They'd sort of um, lined up to possibly come to Ashton Gate, but obviously he left the club and 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 he eventually moved to join up with with you guys at Sunderland. And, and he's been great so far. In terms of the game itself, like I say, I think ourselves we were largely very happy with the, the draw on Sunday. Really disappointing that, of course, we conceded late, but I think we would have took that result beforehand. Um, so we head to Bristol in, in confident mood. Up, I certainly I do. How are Bristol City fans viewing the game? there's so much annoyance of the way that last weekend's game panned out, but most of it directed at the referee. They, I mean, I probably didn't make this point well enough before, but they did actually play some very good stuff at last weekend, certainly in the first half and they probably deserved their lead and created some, some, some good, some decent chances. Um, they've still got work to do to, to limit the opposition. I, th- I could see it being close next weekend it's the first, obviously, home game of the season this way. They've got a big crowd in. I think they've, I think they've sold um, something like twenty four thousand tickets. It might be a lot more come the weekend, and uh, that's going to be uh, all, well, not too far off a of full house um, this way. Certainly, one of the biggest crowds I've seen for a while. There's a lot of optimism, despite them not spending any money in the summer with the players they've brought in. They just seem to have recruited well in the right positions and quite shrewdly. And so there is a lot of optimism this way that that, that things might be on the turn. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think City fans probably, Bristol City fans probably think that there's a chance that they can get a home win this weekend and basically right last weekend's wrongs. But from a professional point of view, an objective point of view, I'd be a little bit worried that we're going to see what we've seen too much of last season where there was a lot of home draws um, and certainly late goals conceded and, and yeah, sloppy goals conceded. So, yeah, I, I would say from a Sunderland point of view, you guys w- will have a chance at the weekend, I feel. I think in terms of what you've said about the defence, that's probably music to our ears because, to be honest, our strongest position is probably our front four. Yeah, your Ross Stewart, your Patrick Roberts, obviously didn't play on Sunday, but might come back in. Embleton, Pritchard, 
and Jack Clark, who have scored. scored. Um, so maybe I'm setting the question up here perfectly, but which are the players that you think, you know, yourself and Bristol City fans are going to be worrying can do some damage to your team on, on Saturday? Well, I, um, I like all those four players. Obviously, Ross Stewart's got a good goal-scoring record. And yeah, I mean, I remember watching Patrick Roberts over the years for uh, England youth groups and... Um, I know Lee Johnson's was was a big fan of his as, as well, actually, and yeah, he he's got a, a bit to prove maybe, but um, he's certainly got some ability. I saw obviously Jack Clark got the goal, didn't he, last weekend? And he's a player I've, I've kept an eye on a, a bit as well. I know he's got um, some ability. He's, he's good in one on ones, and then uh, yeah, Pritchard, as I, as we were discussing before, he's he's that sort of small. A diminutive playmaker type player who, again, <clears throat> Lee Johnson almost built a team of those guys this way. We had about six or seven in the team at one point of sort of diminutive playmakers and they probably then couldn't yeah, defend as well as a result. So uh, hopefully you've got a bit more balance to the side. I'm sure you have. And yeah, I could see any of those guys um, doing well at Ashton Gate. Our hope this way is that um, Bristol City have got a kind of settled 11 at the moment. They've got a couple of injuries, as I mentioned before. Semenyo is probably the big one because at times last season, you, you might not want to hear this, but he um, he, he really was unplayable. He, he was just outstanding against Fulham, absolutely destroyed that defence. And, and yeah, Fulham, who like romped the league and yet Semenyo was the best player on the pitch on on the day when we, when we went to Craven Cottage. And um, yeah, uh, they've got um, a settled defence at the moment, um, who on paper looked very good. They're probably just missing Thomas Callas, although he was in full training yesterday. So there's a slim chance that he could come back in for Bristol City. And if he does, I think he'd make quite a big difference. So that's one um, possible team change to look out for on the weekend. Um, because otherwise it means Zach Viner will be playing. And there's a few question marks over whether he can eliminate the sort of individual errors from his game that, that we saw last season. Um, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to basically be um, an interesting battle, and, and whether the likes of Matty James and Joe Williams can keep an eye on those sort of attacking midfielders that you mentioned there. That that's probably going to be a key part to it. Seeing that about Cars coming back, and I think it's probably a name that Sunderland fans will recognise. Obviously, former Chelsea academy player, I think, and obviously spent time at Borough, i.e., a lot of uh, championship experience there. And um, so hopefully. He's not fit, um, for our sake. Anyway, um, last week I, I did my first prediction. I'm terrible with predictions, and and I said one nil was was my heart, and one one was my head. And then I went with my heart and said one nil. If I'd just gone with my head, I would have had my first prediction right for the first time ever on the preview show. So, I think it's fair to say I'm not very good at them. I think I got four and five right in the two previous seasons over the whole time. So I'm not even in double figures. So whatever I say is not going to be. But I'm going to go for a two two, and I'm going to throw the same question at you just to end the show. I'm going to go for a 2-1 to Bristol City and what I'm going to explain my reasoning for that is because we've got Keith Stroud is the referee for the coming game and Bristol City fans uh, really dislike Stroud. They, they, they think he's possibly one of the worst referees in the championship. I can't remember an actual game that he, he refereed them um, really poorly and gave a lot of decisions against them, but there obviously have, have been some this way because the, the fans really dislike him. But coming off the back of last weekend's um, awful refereeing from Dean Whitestone, I, I just feel that Bristol City are due a good decision. They haven't had a penalty for yonks down this way, absolutely yonks. Um, I think we got maybe one or two last season. 
Um, but beyond that, um, you're going back months and months and months. I think City have had um, the fewest in the division for a while now. So I just wonder if they're due for a bit of luck, if I'm honest. Um, and, and maybe at home, first game of the season, they're going to have the crowd on their side, at least initially. Uh, and they have shown a few good signs in pre-season, which I know is obviously a, uh, <laughs> means means sweet <laughs> FA. But um, yeah, so I, I just wonder if luck is on their side and they might just nick it 2-1, but, but we'll see. Before I do let you go, Gregor, I think I, I failed to do this last year and I think a lot of people mentioned to me that they like to see the opposition's viewpoint when it comes, obviously, after the, the matches, not just a Sunderland viewpoint. Please listen to my review show first and foremost. However, um, if someone wanted to hear something from your side after the game, I'll just follow you throughout the season. Where's the best place to get uh, your stuff? Oh, I just uh, keep an eye on my Twitter feed, probably at GMAC, G, uh, GWE, Mac, uh, GWE, and uh, you'll see inane ramblings about Bristol City on there. Gregor, lovely catching up. I wish you no luck on Saturday um, as par for the course. Um, but thanks for joining me again, as always, mate. Appreciate it. Absolute pleasure and good luck for the weekend. Thank you very much.